This media is controlled by students. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the Coppell High School and or the Coppell Independent School District. Hey everyone, welcome back to That Engineering Podcast, the podcast where we discuss developing topics in STEM fields. We're your hosts, Alex, Paula, and I'm back, it's Travis. Today's topic, while kind of broad, is the future of technology and how we can change it. All right, well, since we're starting off broad, just kind of the future of technology, I figured we'd start with, you know, some of the past things we do, like, you know, we could go over clean energy or just how 3D printing and how that could go there. Just anyone have any ideas? Well, with clean energy, do you believe that with current technology advancing at such a fast rate that we could potentially not necessarily be 100% dependent on clean energy, but reduce it to around maybe 85 to 90%? For sure. I think so, because now you see we're using solar energy, wind energy, um, a lot more um, today. And so I think it will greatly reduce... um, well, do you think like nuclear power will research again or will be able to crack nuclear flu- fusion because there are some strides being made in that field? Dude, I'm a huge advocate for nuclear support. I like that just because I know aside from the nuclear waste, which is a pretty big aside, but um, uh, it's, it's really clean, especially since its byproduct is quite literally water. And just uh, I'd love to see a lot more of that, especially since green energy isn't 100% sustainable now, and especially just because we haven't been able to manufacture a lot of it without polluting a ton. And just being able, and I feel like it's a good middle ground to start, especially with the research and diffusion, just, you know, for sustainable energy, not only green, but just in a way that can wean us off dependence of oil and hopefully make us uh, support ourselves, you know? Yeah, I see what you mean, because nuclear energy, like you said, does only produce really water however there are some downsides like if it's not regulated correctly like with soviet russia's uh chernobyl reactor or recently in the 2008 or 2009 i think the fukushima reactor in japan with like nuclear like uh fallout almost drifting across the pacific ocean well we got to remember one was decaying by the soviet union and the other one was hit by a hurricane so Yeah, but we still have to account for weather, obviously. So if we build more weather-resistant structures, then yeah, uh, nuclear power has my vote. But as of right now, I know that there are multiple nuclear power plants all over the U.S., but if one gets hit by a natural disaster, it could be over for that area of the United States for a while. Yeah, I'm not really advocating (laughs) for putting one in Tornado Valley, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, I would have to agree with Alex. I think um, nuclear power comes with a lot of risks and concerns that I think, you know, maybe far, far in the future, um, it could become uh, more popular uh, a thing, but as of right now or, like, recent future or whatever, I don't think it's going to become very I changed my mind. We're going to put it on the fault lines. Yeah, no, <laughs> that would not be a good idea. What we need to do is build an underground nuclear reactor, so if it explodes, it takes out an entire city center with it, dude. There we go. We got the plans going out right here. Uh, <laughs> uh, she doesn't seem on board, Alex. I see no problem with that. Yeah, Paolo's just a non-believer. Like, what no. if we put it under Detroit? <laughs> no problems. I'm more of a believer in, um, in you know, solar energy, wind energy. And, you know, like, uh, have you guys heard of the energy that's... Um, I can't remember geothermal the name. no hydroelectric yes hydroelectric 
electric <laughs> excuse me electric. Th that's the name i totally forgot but you know i think stuff like that will become we'll be seeing more and more of it in the future when it comes to um, clean energy the one off of hydroelectric that i've actually seen pretty recently that's pretty neat i'm not sure if it was just the plans or if some have already been implemented implemented but they're basically uh wind turbines but they're placed underwater so mm -hmm. it's working off of sea current so they're yeah. not just limited to wind they're constant so it's not like in a dam which i I don't know if they produce more at this point, but the whole idea is that it's just constantly running and you can use these on shores, not just river basins. Right, and right. And it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, the only thing with dams is that they have to be high maintenance because I know the Hoover Dam has been there for almost 100 years now, and it's shown some cracks, but the maintenance keep-up has been good. However, over time, the concrete will degrade, so we have to figure out how to essentially replace the concrete without removing the structural integrity of the dam because that essentially create a whole lake there and there's a whole ecosystem growing there so if that busts it's kind of going to screw over also all the towns that are down river on the colorado river yo but you could hit a pretty sick tidal wave on the way down <laughs> no and another big factor that i think pops in my head when i hear about that it maintenance issue is also the money i think obviously money pays a huge role in anything we do, and I think clean energy or making energy a lot cleaner today or in the future could be costly, expensive, and it just. I mean, once we crack nuclear fusion and have the ability to make it super efficient, there's no real need for any other type of energy production because nuclear fusion would allow us to almost essentially have like a miniature sun in an almost magnetic sphere that would produce enough energy to provide for like thousands or millions of people i know but like how long have we been trying to crack nuclear fusion like forever i mean exactly. there was the proposed cold fusion that turned out to be a hoax so yeah eh, that was like in the 70s and 80s but nuclear fusion You're not helping your cause here we Alex. just haven't <laughs> had the right technology but people are making strides we've had made nuclear fusion before in like controlled environments however it's just not yielding more energy than it we're putting into it. we have to have a process for where it takes less energy to produce more energy almost so you guys are taking two inside the box i'm rooting for harvesting lightning i want those Harvest. huge batteries because they were doing like <laughs> some just because of like the amount of electricity i think they were saying that like a lightning strike could charge new york for like a day but of course i'm not sure where that's from but just, it's, the <laughs> issue is that you know well. we can't really absorb any of that right now because i'm pretty sure some of our most powerful batteries would degrade instantly um, <laughs> just have like huge, huge capacitors. Like, just make the Empire State Building a one huge capacitor. It's already a lightning rod, so like, why not Boom. just attach a huge factory-sized capacitor? To and it? as long as we're ignoring money, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Capturing like the energy from lightning—that's a bit. I'm I'm confused. Like, how would we do that? How would we store that energy and reuse it? I mean, basically like a rechargeable battery or like it, essentially lightning acts as a capacitor discharge. So you'd basically just have to have it a way to energy. reduce that current and flow it into a battery that's rechargeable. So, I mean, it's you'd obviously have to have huge, huge, huge resistors, but yeah. <laughs> it's possible. I guess. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I, 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 I'm talking about outside the box. We're talking no, about no, the yeah, future sure. of technology. I'm going to talk about outlandish no, ideas. You're right. You're right. The future can hold anything. And, you know, maybe one day that will be. I okay. mean, that's as far-fetched as building a Dyson, Dyson sphere around a nearby star and, like, funneling that energy. 
Do you guys know what Dyson spheres are? We talked about this in a previous podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's basically building a gigantic solar system-wide uh, like cell of photovoltaic cells just around the entire sun, essentially blacking it out, but absorbing all the energy in just solar radiation. So, I mean, that could be possible in the future. Laser but beaming it, energy? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> well, the, whole, well the, the, the idea that I saw from a YouTube channel that won't get off my recommended feed was talking about <laughs> making a lot of... <laughs> hey, but it's true. I'm being, I'm being honest. <laughs> it, was, it was talking about how it would be more of reflections of the sun's light onto different panels so you could all reflect it into a system that more harvests energy because if they were all solar panels flying around the sun itself you'd be collecting energy from each of them individually we're actually placing and maintaining a bunch of more or less mirror-like things would be a lot cheaper and by reflecting it like how they do in uh there's some desert in the city in the sahara where during the daytime it's net zero but not during the night and what they do for their solar array is they reflect light into a big one and then focus it into one area for a powerful um, uh, solar panel so the whole idea is that you'd be reflecting light more easily so you could actually beam it across space to harvest it somewhere else yep the thing with that is how are you going to control the intensity of light because i know right now there's still like controversial things where like solar panel arrays and farms are essentially killing flocks of birds because they reflect so much light that it basically becomes like almost a magnifying glass of just an intense beam of solar radiation that basically kills birds that are flying over so we have to cut yeah no it's actually a thing and (laughs) all right right, but now the the whole idea is that it's talking about as long as we're doing that in space you could harvest it from like the moon somewhere so it wouldn't actually be anywhere where there's much threat of life except for i don't know maybe a spaceship going across the beam but at that point i'm pretty sure we'd be able to avoid it i mean we're harvesting enough resources to surround a sun so you're right. Yeah, but that's like so far into the future that we'll probably be an interstellar civilization by then. So well, that 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 was my point. Yeah. So it's a far-fetched idea, but not out of the realm of possibility. However, by the time we even make one, we'll probably have found new ways of energy and like quant- with quantum physics and stuff like that, or yeah. like nuclear radiation. The fun fusion. physics that ignore the rules of physics. Yeah. <laughs> but. I don't know, like geo, like currently right now, geothermal I think is one of the cleaner versions of energy because it's literally just using the heat from the earth. No other byproducts. There's no like, oh, I'm gonna, I might kill birds by solar radiation or slicing it in half with a windmill. But oh, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, that's no, a surprise. <laughs> yeah, they they like move so fast and but they look like they're going so slow. No, the speed on those things is. Like, especially because they're so big. Like, they take almost, like, two tractor trailers full, like, just for a single blade. Those are huge, and they're so high up that they look small. However, they're spinning fast with a lot of force because they that's just, like, pure steel and aluminum up there just spinning around a huge, huge generator. We were actually by a corn farm in Iowa in the summer with my friends because we were up there in a house that we're working for a fish farm. But the thing is, is in the fields – the people besides just growing the corn, which I think they sold for ethanol, they also had solar panels because they'd get not only tax cuts, but they'd get the extra bonus from energy. The dude who ran those was actually talking about how they'd have to drive up and clean up the bird corpses from oh, some of them. Oh, my god! That is, yeah, that's that's quite graphic. Uh, <laughs> but I just uh, said bird corpses. I, I, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're getting at. However... Yeah, solar and wind can be crazy because 
I mean, even with solar panels, if you get even like a bit of dust, that just in- immediately decreases the efficiency of it. Oh, yeah. So, like, remember, if a cell's blocked off or a lot of it will shut down the energy generation of the entire thing. Yeah, because they're yeah. Par- they're essentially wired in, in parallel series, series. circuits. Yeah. So, like, it's like strips of series, like strips of cells in series, but, like, wired in parallel. So if one goes down, the entire strip goes down. So we have to... I don't think we should start doing, like, parallel cells, like each individual one is a parallel, because that might decrease the energy efficiency. However... We need to find a way to essentially have them be self-cleaning almost. Maybe like have like a, like a air compressor inside that uses its own power to like just blow air across so dust well, gets off. Oh, if you're up. talking about energy efficiency, that's using the more efficient energy to clean itself off. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> I mean, but we're talking about future, so like, yeah, hey. I mean, but I mean, if I mean, we... that's not a bad idea. But we could technically just make all like unairable land so like like land that cannot be farmed into essentially greenhouses or like into green energy farms so like we could take like all of west texas that's basically a desert and just make it a solar farm or a wind farm i mean i know right now there's in driving to just amarillo through west texas i see huge huge farms just full of windmills and uh wind turbines just standing up in the middle of nowhere Oh, yeah, well, I mean, but, like, that's the biggest thing that I hope we get over in the future, that it's just right now producing the things to create green energy pollutes a ton. I think it was, uh, like, some of the green cars. This is a statistic from a few years ago, so I'm not sure if it's updated by the time anyone's listening to this, but it was, uh, it takes about five years or four years for them to actually work off all the pollutants that you'd save by driving the electric car before the it actually makes any positive dividends on the environment from using it and by then most people have gotten rid of the car just because of how inefficient they actually are at just mm-hmm. creating the things at this point and that's well, very like yeah. surprising i don't i feel like maybe that's something that will be improved actually in the future i mean right now we're using lithium ion batteries and lithium is a very hard mineral to mine mm-hmm. I mean, in the future, we could start using graphene batteries. I know those are making strides. Or I know, I don't know if it's a nickel. I know, I think we're using nickel right now, too, for batteries. But graphene batteries, yeah, Yeah. graphene batteries have a high potential uh, charge. So I know MIT is working on it and multiple other laboratories and scientists are working on making graphene batteries larger, more capacity, like making the capacitance larger. But as of right now, we have to rely on lithium, and that's just the hard truth until we improve technology. So some other things about the future, we could be talking about just kind of virtual reality. VR is finally blown up to the point where, once again, it won't get off my YouTube recommended list. <laughs> do, what, what points do you think we're going to get beyond VR? Because like, I know we've talked about being able to like look at things, but like outside of or even within the realm of like gaming and stuff, how do you think we're going to improve it? Do you think it's going to stay with the headset? Eventually, we might get some of those little sci-fi like things that will make you stand still, and it's a whole other world. Like, what do you like, think we can like create? a Ready Player One type of scenario? I was just oh, yeah. about to ask if you I guys have read the book. Movie. Oh, I've, I read the book. Yeah, I heard the book's really, really good. good. Yeah, it's yes, actually it's a book. It it's a, a really book good book. First. Um, but VR, I think, will improve so greatly that we might not even be able to distinguish it from actual reality. I think so, too. You know, like the... I keep I keep forgetting the names. I keep forgetting the names of all these things. But you know that 
think have you guys seen stranger things yeah like you know like the pool where you like if, like, with like all a, this yeah. salt and you can't feel anything what's the name of that it's just a essentially sensory inhibitor tank. Yeah, yeah exactly so, so no but i'm thinking of like there would be like a treadmill underneath that's like omnidirectional where you're able to walk run you're able to like have a body suit that like you're able to feel what you see in the virtual reality well, yeah i know so in that case i can see that like it could be like almost a simulation like that goes into the like the mindset of are we in a simulation right now <laughs> but okay uh, stephen hawking uh, yeah. <laughs> elon musk um but in, in practical applications i think that virtual reality and augmented reality will allow us to like say like oh i have this design pull it out just like in your hands as a hologram through your like glasses that you're wearing and just place it onto the table and watch it go in a simulation or something similar to that. It's just a way to communicate better and faster. Yeah, because I had a bunch of high hopes for VR, and then I saw VR chat, and it's gone. So I'm, <laughs> I'm needing some I'm needing some help from you guys, right? <laughs> what about school? Like, what if you have your virtual VR reality school. classrooms? Yeah. That might be the one way to finally make my online class bearable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think the only way we'll ever get VR headsets is if they're made by Apple. Oh my god, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yo, ma- maybe then, uh yo, don't include that <laughs> yo what if they actually like but what like hey do you, that could be a market i mean because they're already they've already branched off to where they're not just known for phones i mean they already got the right. macbooks going now they're getting into Depends. the earbuds yeah they, well i mean I'm apple apple started off as it, but a, everyone knows what an apple pin is yeah. like they they branch off just from phones like imagine just like you Making know when we're like adults headsets. the apple gaming console the apple vr headset you pair it with phones by the time that phones can like get with apps that work as well as like our normal gaming systems you got just walking yeah, around with a vr imagine. headset you got the i don't know hey Actually, Apple did have a gaming console in like the 1990s called they the They did. Yeah, called the uh, Apple Bandai Pippin and <laughs> it 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 failed miserably. It failed really? miserably compared to the uh the SNES and the uh Sega Genesis and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Then they so need to even try and try again. No, but we already have like PlayStation, Xbox, we even have like PC, we have Nintendo Switch. It's there's no like need for another contributor or competitor in the gaming market. I know like Soldier Boy was trying to make his Soldier game, and that just got <laughs> destroyed <Shut down>. by <laughs> legal by leak. What, it was I just thought, a like, bad. I thought bad buying old consoles and then putting your name on them was a perfectly legal method of selling things. Yeah, yeah, you think that would be right, but this is <laughs> the United States where you have copyright laws, so that's not really the case. However, I can see your point where. If Apple did make a VR headset, it just because it's Apple and it's a name brand, you know, it's going to be some form of quality product, but it might be overpriced. We, we brought it up as a joke, but I'm pretty sure it would sell. Like, I was, I think so fire. too. I feel like so many people would go crazy. I mean, over Google it. already has like their own stuff for the Pixel, that their own phone. They have like a VR headset where you just slide the phone in and it works as a VR headset. Well, yeah, I know, but I feel like the brand name, you know, yeah, I mean, Apple. I mean, everybody's got one. Yeah, I mean, Apple one. AirPods blew up because of memes. I mean, <laughs> you're right. I mean, you can't stop the flow of just people saying, "Oh, I want to be in the ecosystem of Apple. I need a MacBook, AirPods, Apple Pen, iPad, iPhone, Apple Watch, and everything else Apple." 
in order to be hip and cool with the youngsters. So, I mean, fair. <laughs> they are they are sort of the top of the line right now. I mean, yeah, like, no, you can I find agree. occasional things that do it, but just an overall accessibility is well, with the phones is mainly what I'm referring to. Yeah, but mm-hmm. in many STEM fields, other than like graphic design, you don't really see that many Apple products because most CAD programs are oriented towards Windows. So I think Windows is better for like an office environment, but for like a casual, like artistic environment. Apple right. reigns supreme in my opinion. And that brings us to our next top, talking about just engineering design things and computers. We can talk about quantum and the next thing of computers, or do you guys just, as a something to throw out there for conversation, is there a chance that there might be another competitor to like, because Windows owns like, what was it, like 95, 80-something percent? I think of, it's like 85 percent. 85 percent? Of the market share yeah, for just, computers. I mean, just like a new one popping in. Well, the Linux next is, well, Windows. Well, there's already Linux. Well, there were many, many competitors back in the 90s to Windows, but then Microsoft basically bought sponsorships to Dell, to um, to HP, to many other computer manufacturers, and basically said, "Hey, if you use our operating system, you'll get it for free," because back then, it competitors used to force. Uh, producers of computers in order to in order to have the operating system on the computer you have to pay for like a license if you have a Microsoft it's like here we'll have for like a limited time we'll have you use this for free and if you sell some more you'll start paying for it so it was a marketing scheme by Windows in order to gain market share and it worked amazingly because obviously right now you don't really know like any other thing other than Microsoft Apple and Linux yeah I mean right now in front of me I've got a really nice HP laptop and Okay, way to flex uh, on your <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying, like, you're right. I mean, the, I feel like it was a good, like, marketing scheme. Like, it really, I don't know. I yeah, just, it's just because I was up there, I was looking at, like, the reason why I was asking, like, the next windows and things, because there was a, I think it was, it was something talking about how, like, every big company lasts for, like, a generation or two, and then it will be swallowed. Like, I mean, Bing used to be huge, and now it's, a right. joke and uh, that's I like when we were kids that. and yahoo owned a huge amount of the market share and it's also got bought up i remember using bing in like kindergarten <laughs> oh mean, my gosh i totally forgot I mean, well bing was made by microsoft in order as a competitor to google but it's it's still not as good as like even safari search engines i actually heard something about bing that could like it's because it's still active the whole thing is that it has less advertising revenue but google's constantly doing different projects and stuff that their actual just like percentage of profits is larger than google's just because they're just keeping things running no but actually what's really funny is that bing actually has like most of their revenue comes from people searching up Google.com so on on Bing. No, I'm not even joking. The, like the ad revenue from just searching up Google or like other search engines on Bing actually gives them a lot of revenue. So they're actually like profiting off of their competitors a bit. That's hilarious. Like I know you're bigger than me, so I'm going to have a way that it makes it so harder for you to get to that place that I'm going to make a lot of money. That's basically their mentality. <laughs> Yeah, but going back to quantum computing, I think if we're able to make it affordable and way more accessible, because right now quantum computers take up almost an entire room and they need to be stored at like way, way, way below zero degrees Celsius, it's just not really practical, but I can see... You mean I can't take one home and game on it? 
unless you have like a whole pickup truck or not even a pickup truck, like a semi truck full of materials and freezers and I'll just put some ice in there, it'll be fine. Oh yeah, just like a little a bit huge of ice. cooler. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like a big one. Like one that I take to a picnic, just fill it up with ice, open it up, it'll keep it cold. No, but quantum computing is revolutionary, especially for simulations and for basically supercomputers because a quant- so essentially what quantum computing is, it's, you know how there are bits where it has an on state and off state? Well, qubits have three states. They have one, zero, and then there's a state called a qubit called one and zero. So it's like a third state where it's able to store even more, more information. So one qubit has two states, two qubits have four states, three qubits have eight states. So it's just exponentially growing the amount of stuff that can be stored on a qubit. So a quantum computer with around 100 qubits uh, would theoretically be more powerful than all the supercomputers on the planet combined. Well, by using the internet silently while we were talking, it looks like there is actually one for $15 million. <laughs> oh, yes, that, that's just pocket change. <laughs> no, no, quantum computer that has oh. 2,000 qubits costs around 2, 15 million. So that's obviously, two th- if 100 was theoretically more than all the supercomputers, I can only imagine what 2,000 qubits has the processing power to be. That That's like oh enough to gosh. almost... And apparently what it's talking about on the description is that just because it's, you know, a new model for quantum, it can't be used for really most applications anyway. So... <laughs> Wait, why not? I'm confused. Hey, it can't be used on a whole range of applications because it's very specified. So you can't be like, oh, I'm quantum computing. I'll be able to run like Minecraft at 6,000 <laughs> FPS. You'll finally be able to load the nether on max chunks. Oh, stop. No, but it's it's very for niche scenarios. So like it's not good at complex computational, but it's like linear like computations with exact equations that are able to compute at multiple times per second. So I know recently that like scientists were able to map the brain of a worm. So I think that like quantum computing would allow the ability to even map the human brain and lead to potentially artificial intelligence. I know that's a very controversial topic because that could lead to a whole other can of worms, (laughs) pun intended. (laughs) Um, It's just crazy because I know that you can like simulate the body of a worm online because of the mapping of the, (laughs) because of the mapping of the worm of the worm brain. It's a very simplistic brain. It basically is just like feed, eat, and waste. But (laughs) overall, it's a pretty good step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, that's very, that's actually very impressive. I mean, I didn't even know that the worm body simulator, (laughs) Alex just showed me the worm body simulator online. And oh gosh, I honestly didn't even think that existed. I mean, it's yeah, kind of enter weird, the worm. But impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but just on what the quantum could be used for, right now it says uh, because of how specified they are, it's useful for like advanced chemistry and physics problems, but not really anything else. Yeah, you can't do like graphic design on a quantum computer. Like you said, it's mainly for large mathematical problems that would take ages for a normal computer to process. You can finally run your fan art at the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. no. Uh, I'd rather not look at my fan art on a quantum computer. Is that not what they're using it for? Uh, physics, uh, chemistry, and uh, uh, fan art by 11-year-olds. Okay, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> no. But 
let's go back okay going back to the worm brain and like artificial intelligence we're, like right now we have like siri amazon alexa and google uh assistant right so with artificial intelligence i know that like in video games they have ai which are basically pre-programmed models to do certain actions or they even have like Cleverbot online where you can type in questions and it'll respond even that passes the turing test which is like a are you human yeah are you human essentially and all I, I aspire to be a brain in a jar, so I hope this is a lifetime thing. I mean, if I can live forever, even as a brainstem, I'll be happy. <laughs> what? <Travis? laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm making jokes. Like, you how, know how, how do we know that we're not I, in a in just a gel that like gives us stimulation to our brain right now? Like, you can only prove all right, what your Hawking, brain tells you. So, like, <laughs> this reality could all just be fake. Like, your eyes. May not he, like you could just be in a simulation right now. You never even know. But not like because you know in the old sci-fi things, like nowadays we have our AIs and they all have holograms and look like people. But in the old one, it's always a brain in a jar that's talking to you. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I aspire to be a brain in a jar talking to people. Oh, I see. Okay, Travis, Travis. I can, so I, li- I, actually, I like. I can see that. Yeah. Like for some odd reason, I can see that. Just uh, me around forever is the biggest gift I could give to the world. <laughs> Well, someone is a little narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> How can I be narcissistic if everything I'm saying is true? No. <laughs> Travis. But, yeah, but artificial intelligence, do you think that, like, it'll surpass human intelligence in the future? Like, will we need regulation in order to make sure that it doesn't? Or will we be able to, like, coexist, like, in a singularity? This Absolutely. This is where it gets tricky. I've actually talked about this way too much to my friends. All right, because of course the whole, you have. Well, because the whole thing is that our brain operates off of electrical impulses, and I'm imagining by the time we can actually put a brain in a computer, you could simulate emotion. So the first thing you'd have to do is just teach the first AI that thinks like a person to be compassionate, and you treat it basically like a fastly operating human being. So what they would do is effectively operate and think like a person, but on a faster rate. And if you can teach them emotions and sort of the whole thing that makes a a person not instantly want to kill everyone around them, <laughs> then you got a safe AI. I mean, but like, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a very weird topic because obviously, how would you be able to program emotions? Because with machine learning, it's very like algorithmic and logical. So I don't know how you'd be able to like program emotions like, oh, someone feels sad, go comfort them. Like you could just program that, but that's not like emotions. That's just following an order because you're still exactly. thinking of, but you're still thinking of like ones and zeros because once we talk about quantum where it can have like eight or more states at once going at a time because our brain stems can like just inside of our brains can go in multiple directions just with electrical impulses so the idea would be less of just coding all the reactions that a thing could take for the brain than less sort of scanning a person's brain and then just running it through a computer i mean I get that, but I I think that in the like even in the far far future, I don't think AIs will be able to like yeah, maybe they will be able to surpass us in some aspects, but when it comes to emotions, I don't think so. I genuinely don't think so. We cannot let machines have emotions. They need to think in all logical fashions, no human emotions at all, right? See, that's how you get <laughs> Skynet. Yeah, what's so bad about that? A few robots walking around with guns, uh, less humans. Uh, nothing bad, right? Uh, <laughs> Skynet. 
Eh, I don't know. But, yeah, the Terminator might be an accurate representation. Who knows? Or iRobot or Oh, something. yeah, because, like, I think... I've never watched... I th- those movies. You've never watched The Terminator? No. Okay, get out of this podcast no. right now. <laughs> yeah, leave. Sorry. Uh, but no, like, because I think the one thing they were talking about was, um, uh, like, self-guided missiles right now and the trouble they're getting over mm-hmm. them. Because it's like, you imagine the possibilities of, like, you know, because we already have drones that are operated by people, but, like, the potential danger and the potential opportunity of having, like, a missile that just flies and it's like, oh, there's a terrorist target, but then the whole thing that was brought up to why just having something that simple and it could be a problem is like oh that wanted criminals picking his kid up from school right uh yeah i was just about to like because that, that, that that's because... my whole argument of like why i want to somehow be able to teach machines emotions and complex problem solving because they can they can get the logical aspects down but without sort of that human drive behind exactly. it they can't because we, fully we can understand because computers going are already arguably strong smarter than people they just lack the capacity to think because they're goal oriented i mean also we're like able to think of multiple aspects at once so like, like multiple scenarios. i know like i know that tesla with their automation like they try to make everything 100 percent automated but then when they tried to do that, it just became so cost of like, like it wasn't cost efficient because a robot arm, when moving a tube, if they lose the sight of it, it'll just keep moving and pretend that it's there. But a human would be able to think, oh, that tube's out of place. Let me plug that in. Or that screw is kind of loose. Plug that in. Mm-hmm. Or screw it in. So robots but aren't able to. A robot wouldn't be able to. Yeah, it wouldn't be able to that. detect, even with all its machine learning and stuff. It would be so hard to compute how, like, oh, this screw needs to be in there but i don't have the screws let me walk over and get it no it can't move because it's a robotic arm future yes the future is quite... we just need some hard light technology i want that to happen honestly that looks pretty cool if that ever becomes a thing like solidified light i don't know how to do that even how to go about doing that and i doubt it's possible no but we, i want I mean, it we've i think it's within the realm of possibility i mean like scientists hard and light? no scientists have stopped light in a crystal yeah m- like before like really yeah yeah. yeah in brazil i think there was one scientist who actually used like multiple like crystals in order to slow down the light into a point where you could actually just see like physically like there's just a glowing orb yeah i think i did remember you could hearing see inside of it and that. see it that's that's legit it, i mean it's pretty yeah, the future, the is, future is now, old cool. man. Well, the future is quite, quite scary. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, join us next week when we talk about the applications of LabVIEW, which is a graphical programming language that we use a lot here in our school. And this has been the Engineering Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>